0: Ding Dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast formerly about the good place, and for now, about whatever we feel like. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she will write your philosophy paper for 20 bucks. It's my sister, Marissa. It won't be very
1: good because I never took philosophy. The best I'll be able to do-
0: (laughs) I couldn't believe that there was a philosophy class in a high school.
1: What's that about? Not only a high school, but it seemed like a real sad sack high school. (laughs) They hadn't had a, their football team hadn't scored a point in 15 years (laughs) and they all, the town seems to be about 20 people.
0: (laughs) That's true. Okay, so this week we're talking about the Netflix movie, The Half of It, because basically we just wanted a few light weeks of teen rom-coms just because they're very easily available and... You know, not that taxing on your brain cells when everything else in the world is very taxing on our brain cells right now. So this was just, you know, this was, as per Marissa's request, like, I just want to watch something that is easy and uh, I kind of don't have to be super invested in. But I actually, up front, like, I liked the majority of this movie. I thought it was really well done. Uh, Yeah, I agree. So, my little intro is, this week, grab your taco sausage from the microwave, because we watched the Netflix original movie, The Half of It. Uh, a little housekeeping up front. You I mean, can... it's the best thing we've watched for this podcast in months. <laughs> well, we haven't been recording this podcast in months, but...
1: But I'm, like, looking at the last, like, six or so episodes, like, mm, this is better than all those. Yeah! I
0: I thought it was. uh, I thought it was really well directed. I thought the music was really good. The
1: acting was. The actress did a really good job, and it's hard to get teen actors who actually like do a good job.
0: I thought so too. And this was also. I mean, we can talk about kind of like what else it compares to in in when we get into the discussion, but like this was a almost a a similar in a way to to all the boys uh, in that you know you have some asian representation in the female lead but it was a lot it was a lot more about like the realities of being an outsider and those types of things like i think to all the boys is like the like shinier version of something like this um not to say i didn't like to all the boys because we didn't really like the second one but the first one was good but i i liked a lot of the themes in it and everything like that. I thought the the main actress did a really good job. I hadn't seen her in anything else. No me either. But yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean I don't think
1: I recognized any of these actors from anywhere else. Maybe the teacher, maybe the the world-weary teacher. No, actually I don't I take that back. I don't think I I don't think I could place her.
0: No, I don't think I rec- I could I couldn't recognize anybody in there. Um but it was, I think you're right, it was probably the best thing that we've watched in a little while. I mean...
1: For this show. Like, you and I on our own time <laughs> can watch other things. If anybody
0: wants to talk to me about a d and web series I've, I've been obsessing over, please get at me. Uh, we will not do this for the show because I don't think Marissa would care to listen to me talk about it. No thanks! At some point I want to talk about the Psych movie because I did watch that and I did cry, so... <laughs> <laughs> a little housekeeping up front. Uh, You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Please rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. You can follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play. Twitter, we are at The Good Pod, and you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. I also want to just give a little shout-out. The bloopers for Season 4 of The Good Plays were released today. Oh, I didn't see that. If you have not seen... The bloopers for the fourth season, find them. Maybe we can retweet them. They're a lot of fun. There's also like a lot of scenes of people like hugging and saying like "thank you for a great season," like great four seasons, and it's you know poignant and funny and all of the things that we miss every day. In at least I miss every single day. And so yeah, get on that. And the framing device for this year because they always have like somebody introducing the bloopers. Uh, the framing device this year is Brent Norwalk. <laughs> taking oh no! A break, taking a break from his like 2000th try at the Good Place test to uh, introduce the bloopers. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so good to know he's still at it. He's still at it. Ooh. Uh, um, do we want to talk about anything else before we get into this or the recap for this?
1: I just want to put on your radar that I have an email for the end, but that's it.
0: Boop-a-da-doo. Thank you so much for emailing us. We I, I love to talk about listener mail. And we've also, I think right before we started recording, we're talking about um, other theme monks that we could do that are like a little bit more directly related to the good place. We were thinking about a lot of you have suggested Russian doll and other kind of like groundhog's day esque reboot type, Uh, entertainment and so I think that's certainly a rich vein that we could tap into Um, I also had the idea of us to do like a month of hot mess moms because in honor of Eleanor's mom who (laughs) drinks white wine with like a twizzle straw Um, but if any of you have I know Ian also recommended um, Never Have I Ever which is a really sweet wonderful Netflix show So, you know, if you have recommendations, please keep them coming because, you know, we typically text each other like, what are we going to do this week? (laughs) We're we're sort of unmoored from our main, you know, anchor. And so we got to we got to figure something out. So if you have suggestions, please send them our way.
1: I hope that we can do uh, Palm Springs because I did see that and I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, that is that is one of the reasons why I thought a reboot month would be cool because that movie I've heard really good things about. Russian Doll would be a good one. We it's a just... little...
1: The thing about Palm Springs, it was great, but it, it's a little close to the bone in quarantine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it, it's like, every day's the same and we're trapped here. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yes. That's exactly what this is. And, you know, we could also just watch... There's an episode, I mean, you're going to laugh at me. There is an episode of Supernatural that's a Groundhog Day episode. <laughs> so we could watch that. We could also just watch Groundhog Day. That
1: we should, we should, right? Option. So Or see if we can find a filmed version of the Groundhog Day musical.
0: Is there a musical? Yes, okay. there is. Do I want to know? <laughs> no, probably not. Okay. There's also a ton more afterlife movies we could do.
1: We, we we didn't do great on those
0: <laughs> when we did them last time, but we could try. I mean, we didn't do Beetlejuice. I do love Beetlejuice. We didn't
1: do Coco. I don't... I Oh, Coco. I love Coco, too. I I think I own both those movies. I You know, the truth about Beetlejuice is I think in a lot of ways it probably is very much of its time and maybe suffers because of that. But in other ways, like, oh boy, I love that movie. Yeah.
0: I mean, Catherine O'Hara...
1: I don't I, I don't know that there's a greater final scene in cinema than the Beetlejuice final scene
0: yeah, it's so good yeah I, you know so I think we have we have some some different avenues to explore but if anybody has something that they want us to check out and maybe can tie it to a broader theme that would be lovely because we're all, we're looking for new stuff and we hope you enjoyed our hundredth episode extravaganza last week where we just talked about all the things <laughs> that we love. Alright, so how do you want to do the recap? I guess I'll do it. Okay. Right, so we
1: start on this, I thought it was a really beautiful animation that tells the story, I mean, if anyone has seen Hedwig and the Angry Inch, it's the origin of love story. I mean, it's also, like, from Greek philosophy. (laughs) Most people probably know it from Hedwig, but, you know, it's a story that we used to be, like, these, like, two people glommed together, and then we got cut in half, and we're always looking for our other half. But Ellie Chu is the main character. She's sort of doing doing this narration, and then she's like, "But the Greeks never went to high school," and it's like <laughs> everything is meaningless here. But she's she's in the middle of writing a paper, uh, you know, that she is going to sell because that is her hustle. She uh get she writes papers for her classmates, and they pay her. It's like ten bucks for a short paper, twenty bucks for a long paper. I want to say,
0: yeah, and nothing over ten pages.
1: which is pretty funny to me. And, uh, right. So she's living in a town that they call
0: Squamish,
1: right? Which is a pretty on the nose reference to the Pacific Northwest town Snohomish.
0: Oh yeah. But
1: (laughs) it's just like, it's like super rural Washington state, basically. So she lives in a train station, but it's not a passenger train station. It it appears to me. I mean, does
0: it? Wait, is it a passenger train station? She, I mean,
1: spoilers. But she gets gets
0: on, a on passenger the train at the train end. At yeah, the
1: end. we never see anybody embarking or disembarking except for the last ten minutes, though. <laughs> it seems to be more of a freight train situation. Yeah, but she lives in this train station where, like, twice a day she goes out and does something with the signals. I wasn't totally clear on that.
0: I got the sense that she was, yeah, it's like, instead of using the automated signal, like, she sort of, I guess, is like a lighthouse for the trains or something and just, like, (laughs) hangs out with a lantern. I don't know. It seems very unsafe for a child to be doing that.
1: Yes, it was weird. So we see her in band class. The teacher of the band class appears to be the father of the love interest. Is this correct? Right, Mr. Flores, they all say. Yes, Mr. Flores.
0: Oh, I didn't catch that.
1: I'm pretty sure that's right. Okay. So, so the, the Ellie Chu is the main character. She has a crush on this girl, Aster Flores, who I don't think it's incidental that like Ellie Chu is the only person of Chinese descent in this high school. And yeah. Aster seems to be the only Latina person in this high school. Does that seem yes, correct to you?
0: That does seem correct to me. And I think it's very deliberate that she's the only Chinese person because she's constantly being told by white people that she's Chinese.
1: (laughs) But I think it's also deliberate that the girl that she has this fixation on is also not white,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? That like, she kind of sees like, oh, somebody else here isn't like in this sort of mass of white people. It's very, this is a very, there's a lot of white people in this movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah, or at least that, I mean, we'll kind of, we'll find out a little bit more about Aster in a little bit, but that all of her sort of cadre of girlfriends is white and she feels a little bit separate from them in her heart.
1: Right. She's not well-to-do is like a major part of her character. Yeah. So, you know, at some point Ellie's narration while she's staring at Aster, I, I mean, I think that Ellie's crush on Aster is pretty clear from the jump. And she sort of says in narration, in case you haven't guessed, this isn't a love story, at least not one where everyone gets what they want. I would say it is a love story. Uh, it's just one where no one gets what they want. Right. So we see another white boy. who kind of looks like a lunkhead, and his name is Paul Munsky. And
0: he's at football practice.
1: He's at football practice. Thank you. There's a mandatory senior talent show that they're saying you better, you know, everybody needs to sign up for. I mean, you were saying it's crazy. It's like, I think a town this small, but there's probably like 20 kids in the graduating you class. We have a
0: talent show.
1: It's probably a fundraiser or something.
0: Okay, maybe. Maybe. It just seems really... That
1: auditorium was full.
0: I was gonna say, it was packed.
1: (laughs) It was mostly packed with other students, but...
0: Who knows? But it was was very much like, everybody sign up for the talent show. It's mandatory. Like, (laughs) very from the jump. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it have been kind of nicer if, like, she had wanted to sign up for the talent show, but she was too shy to do it, and then... Paul kind of like encourages her and then she signs up and does it and kind of, you know, like it's not this mandatory thing that she's got to put herself through, but whatever. Right. I have a couple script doctors, so we'll get there. (laughs) In
1: philosophy class, we see them talking about hell as other people, which is pretty great. I was definitely like, hey,
0: TGP. (laughs) That was our, our pilot episode of this podcast was hell as other people. (laughs) We talked about that.
1: So her teacher is like, I know that you're writing everybody's essays. And Ellie's like, why don't you turn me in? She's like, then I'd have to read the essays that they wrote. She is very checked out. She's like 60 years old. She's like Miss Wormwood from Calvin and Hobbes. She's just like not having anybody's ish at all.
0: She was kind of a weird character to me.
1: Yeah, but she was believable. I mean, to like this... (laughs) this tiny high school in the middle of nowhere like this you know philosophy teacher just like probably thinks that everybody around her is an idiot you know but you know ellie says something like how she's surrounded by idiots or something and the teacher's like you know where you wouldn't be surrounded by idiots is if you went to grinnell
0: so that happens later right she says do you know what it's like to be around people who understand you and she's like you can do that at Grinnell College. This
1: movie is, like, low-key an advertisement for Grinnell. Did
0: Grinnell pay for this movie?
1: I kind of just... That thought occurred to me right before you said it, and I was like, I bet you they did, though. So it's one of two things. Either, like, the writer or director is, a like, a big-time Grinnell alum, you know what I mean, like, and is super, like, a super booster for Grinnell, which is possible. Or they shopped it around to a bunch of liberal arts colleges and said, who wants to pay us, like... 20 grand to have the protagonist go to Grinnell.
0: I'll be honest. I had never heard of, I had, I Googled whether Grinnell Grinnell college was a real place. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's in Iowa. It's true. Neither you nor I. (laughs) Mom said that, you know, we kind of couldn't leave the Northeast. So for college. Yeah.
1: She was definitely not paying for plane tickets.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, if only we had lived on the train tracks, then we would have been able to get
1: there in no time. Yeah, this movie is an advertisement for Grinnell. I mean, it's not like you could go to college. It's like Grinnell. You could go to Grinnell. It's the only place you could go. And Ellie's like, no, I'm going to the University of Washington. I have like a full ride or whatever, and I can live at home, which that doesn't strike me as correct. Um, (laughs) I mean, not if she's going to go to the main campus in Seattle. She can't live in... Squamish slash Snohomish.
0: I mean, they ha- they probably have satellite campuses. Yeah. The way that like Penn State does.
1: Right. And she's like, it's what's happening. Yeah. So we see Ellie rides her bike everywhere and we see Munsky, the lunkhead from who was at football practice, sort of like chase her down. This
0: poor and... guy's always running. I texted you this already. Are, while are I was you like concerned it? about the actor? Just this actor. I wonder how much of his. His uh, audition was just like, how fast can you run and for how long? <laughs> like just up a hill, <laughs> just a lot of running this kid. How many yeah. takes do they have to do of these scenes where he's got to run after her? It happens, That's a like... legit
1: question. I mean, yeah. it's especially some of them are framed very precisely. Yeah. And I can imagine like, oh, it was like a second too soon. Like, oh my God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, it's not a role that I would want to play, but hey.
1: So Munsky chases Ellie down on her bike. And he says, like, I, you know, I'm in love with Astor Flores and I need you to, like, help me write a letter. And, you know, he says he'll, well, because initially she says, like, you know, I, I, this is how much I charge for papers. And so he knows, like, writing things for money is a thing that she does. And he says that he will pay her. And she's like, no, leave me alone. But then at home, she, uh asks her dad like did you call the power company because the power starts flickering and she's like did you call the power company and he's like they're talking in mandarin and there's subtitles which i and the really da- liked
0: i like i did too lot.
1: and the dad is like i you know i don't like calling the power company because they say they can't understand my accent and she's like did you try and he's like we're watching a movie be quiet <laughs> basically yeah. he always says Shh, best part When we learn later that her mom was, like, super into the best part of things. Which, like, so am I. Like, her mom and I have something in common. (laughs) We never
0: get a name for the mom.
1: No, we don't. So, like, now Ellie has to deal with the fact that her power is about to be shut off. So she's, like, running around school on hold with the power company on her cell phone. So, like, another thing, like, just to step back for a second, like... This movie actually portrays like a teen in economic crisis, which most of these movies want nothing to do with, right? If teens are broke, they're like middle-class teen broke, you know, where it's like, I don't have money to go to the pizza parlor or like, I can't fix up my junker car, but like, they're fine. They have power and heat and food and clothes and all that stuff. And this is actually a teen who is like dealing with the real life, consequences of seriously not having enough money
0: not having enough money and also kind of having to be I mean I've heard that this is obviously we don't have first-hand experience with this in our family but um, I've heard that this is a pretty common experience for like
1: first generation kids
0: Yeah. so, so we find out later she was born in China but that's right came over when she was five so but she's basically a first-generation American kid you know sort of translating for her parent uh, in these situations, because he's sort of, you know, I we get the sense that he's sort of just lost in his grief for his wife, but also that...
1: And also um, for, like, the career that he can't have. Right,
0: exactly. That, you know, he had a lot of hope that his career would progress, but, you know, because his English, uh, his accent is is not as... Comprehensible. English, yeah, or his English is not as good... Like, he watches these old movies to learn English, and, it, like, we just get the sense, too, that she's had to take up a lot of the household responsibilities. She's stepping kind of into the role of an adult, even though she's, you know, 15, 16. So, but I agree with you. I mean, I think a lot, like, you know, when we watch To All the Boys. Like, their house is gorgeous. They go on that, like, ski trip. Like, they don't, those kids don't really want for anything
1: even that... even teen movies that have like a range of economic sort of outlooks for the kids don't usually have the teen whose power is going to be shut off yeah that's a that's a that's an entirely different level
0: yeah
1: so she's like trying to get a hold of someone at the power company. At some point she bumps into Aster and they have like a conversation, which appears to be the first conversation they've had. Turns out Aster's dad is both the music teacher and he's also like a deacon at the church. I want to say it's, it seems to be a Catholic church. Do you agree with me on that? There's like a confession booth and all that. I mean, I guess it could be Episcopalian. I don't uh, know uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh no, it's the worst it's the
0: worst thing for us trying to identify. Where is regular Jesus? That's where I need to know. <laughs> this is, I mean we can say for sure that this is not the let it snow, uh, like Unitarian Universalist <laughs> right. Nativity scene type of church.
1: No, it was Catholic or Episcopalian or there was a confession booth uh, her father her father preaches there, so he's either like a deacon in the Catholic church or he's a priest in the Episcopal church or something like that. So I guess the dad has a couple jobs (laughs) and, and that's not actually that hard to believe because they do have, they also have their own money problems, although they're not as severe as Ellie's. So the power company tells Ellie on the phone, like you have to pay us $50 or we're going to shut your power off. So then she goes to Munsky and she's like, I'll write your letter for $50. And he's like, cool. Okay. (laughs) Even though like, he's also, I mean, like he's very working class like, his yeah. parents own a sandwich, sorry, his parents own a sausage factory, sausage restaurant, and, like, he works all the time. Like, you always see him, like, he's in the apron, he's, like, taking out the garbage, he's working in the back, like, he's yeah. not, this. it seems like this town has a lot of, like, like stupid privileged kids, and he is not among them. Yeah, <laughs> he, he lives working.
0: across the street from Ellie on right. the train tracks, like, on the other side of the train tracks, Right, um, and they are not in the like affluent part of town, uh, no, 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 and, yeah, you're right. It is I mean, he says at one point that he has savings, but like, how much could that actually be? I guess his parents
1: probably give him a little bit of cash. I think that Ellie probably wiped him out of a lot of his money,
0: yeah, man, <laughs> for this I project, mean, I did think at some point that the money thing was going to be more of an issue, right, because they actually became friends. But he was like, I'll, you know, she's like, you don't have to pay me anymore. And he's like, no, of course I'll pay you. And I was like, really? That <laughs> Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, 50 bucks for this letter. And right. Then-
1: so she's watching a Vim Vendor's movie that night with her dad. And there's some like romantic dialogue. And she kind of puts that into the letter. And... And he sends it to her, and then Aster writes back to say, like, I like Vim Vendors too, but I wouldn't have plagiarized him. And Ellie's, like, excited, like, oh, she's challenging us, whereas Munsky's like, oh, like, this is bad. And Ellie's like, no, 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 like, I got it. Like, it's like, for Ellie, it's like a game of wits with maybe the only other person at her high school that is intellectually at her level. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, I mean, they write back and forth <laughs> 25 minutes into this episode. They, 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 they write back and forth a lot. And that's actually these very sort of, like, romantic, sweet, uh, highbrow letters. And at one point, Ellie sets up... Again, Ellie's, you know, operating under the guise of Paul.
0: Very Cyrano de Bergerac.
1: Yes, exactly. She sets up, like, this wall that is, and she basically has them take turns doing graffiti. Uh, and it's really pretty. Cause like Astor was into art, but now she's not doing painting anymore. And so they are, they're like taking turns graffitiing until like the guy who owns the wall, like comes out and is like, Hey,
0: you kids. Yeah. So I, I think this bears going into a little bit more just because it sort of has a bearing on the ending and, and stuff like that. But Aster explains in one of her letters that, um, you know, she had a painting teacher who said like, the difference between a good painting and a great painting is five strokes, but like, which five strokes and do you go really bold and, you know, maybe mess up your pretty good painting, but then you never know if you could have had a great painting. And I'm like, I've taken a lot of painting classes. I've never gotten that advice. (laughs) Like, I don't, you know. (laughs) But I think it was supposed to be more about, like, You know, it's very, very thinly veiled. Like, I don't know how to take risks. I'm afraid of taking risks. So instead of Aster... She's dating, like, the popular
1: rich boy at the school. Right,
0: right. Like, so instead of Aster saying, like, oh, I really leaned into that, and now I'm this, you know, like, she's all that-esque, like, performance artist, you know, she's gone the opposite way, and she's given up painting, and it sounds like she's... She longs for something outside of Squamish in a way that, like, so does Ellie. But Ellie feels really, I think, pretty bad about the fact that she longs for something outside of Squamish because she feels kind of like she needs to take care of her dad. And I think, so so that's all, you know, this, her setting up the wall for the two of them is this kind of really cute little love letter kind of back and forth between the two of them.
1: So at some point, Paul gets tired of the written letters that he doesn't get to read, by the way. <laughs> he she Ellie gives him the letters sealed. So he just has to send it without knowing what she's saying. <laughs> so he's getting impatient with this, and he just texts her. And and it's <laughs> You have in the notes, uh, Aster, at the at the moment she gets the text, is watching her uh, boyfriend drive through the mud. Is this a thing? Uh, mudding is absolutely a thing, I am sorry to tell you.
0: What is happening to you, Pacific
1: Northwest? <laughs> it's more than just the Pacific Northwest. I think uh, the McElroy brothers have talked about mudding in uh, West Virginia being a thing. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: It's but not you know, good. Rural America <laughs> it's something yes. I know
0: nothing about.
1: We're not real Americans. That's the problem.
0: No.
1: <laughs> so... Uh, Ellie kind of salvages his... He sends this horrible text with all these emoji. And then she's like... She takes the phone and she's like, Oh, my little sister got my phone. Like, can we take this to a more secure platform? And she gives Aster her username on... It's supposed to be like Whisper, basically. Ghost chat. Ghost chat. What's her...
0: Uh, uh, Smith Cameron?
1: Yeah, or something like that. I didn't get it.
0: I didn't get it either.
1: But then Aster's... Username is Diego Rivera. <laughs> was... it's, it's
0: a gender swapped. It's Diego Rivero.
1: Oh, thank you. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't uh, catch that. That's really clever.
0: Um, also, real quick, when we're talking about platform names, uh, when she hands him the first letter, she says "hush, Momi instead of <laughs> "ben, Momi." That was pretty funny. I'm like, I, I like the idea Grinnell that they college but you didn't get Venmo that's exactly what I,
1: was I like the idea that they went to Grinnell and said pay up we'll, we'll mention Grinnell but Venmo was like yeah we don't we don't want any part of that <laughs> Maybe Venmo was like we don't want to be associated with academic dishonesty which like come on Venmo people are paying their drug dealers through you <laughs> come me a break.
0: Uh, can I tell a very quick Venmo story? okay it's incredibly quick. I used to one of my offices where I worked uh, a while back there were a group of young ladies who would, uh, they work really closely together. They would like get lunch orders together and kind of have these like working lunches. And one of them, you have to like write something in the memo line for Venmo. And so one day somebody was going out for Cuban food. And so she wrote Cuba, Cuban in the, in the, uh, line, like the memo line to send this money for her, like sand, her Cuban sandwich. And then her account got flagged because they assumed she was trying to send money to Cuba. Oh, yeah. Anyway, huh. anyway, yeah. So hush, mommy. Some some Cuban sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. to get back to. So right. So they they
1: arrange for a date, and Ellie tries to prep Paul, but he really bombs because he's a lunkhead. Like she's an intellectual, and he's a lunkhead. That's that's how it is. <laughs> and so ellie's like you blew it and then but then the next day he chases ellie down while she's biking and as as this is exchange is happening where she's like no you blew it like the same thing that always happens to her happens to her which is that the rich popular boys drive past her and yell like "Choo chugga chugga Choo chew because her last name is chew and people are hilarious and racist and paul gets really super offended at that and he like w- runs after them and he runs really fast and he like runs after them being like who does that like <laughs> who do who just who do who does that you jerks <laughs> like yeah, and el Elle-
0: go ahead i was going to say he he like throws like, so like a bunch of them are riding in the back of the pickup truck and he has picked up a like a rock or something and like throws it at them but basically says like you know like His version of... He doesn't say this exactly, but basically, like, pick on someone your own size. Like, don't, you know... Like, how about you say that to me, kind of thing, because... Right.
1: It's kind of amazing to me that they picked on her while she was being trailed by a football player, but whatever. So this is the moment where Ellie realizes, like, Paul is a lunkhead, but he's a sweet lunkhead.
0: He's got a heart of gold.
1: He does. He doesn't mean... He doesn't wish any ill will on anybody. (laughs) And he just is a lunkhead in love with a woman who's way too smart for him. <laughs> and Ellie kind of takes pity on him, and she sets up another... She, she makes excuses for why another day can't happen soon, so she sets up another day for three weeks, and they've got to do, like, a sports training montage. We're
0: gonna have a Hip-hop. montage. Right.
1: But it's, a, it's actually a brain training montage. Yeah. Where they... She sort of tries to teach him how to have, like, a conversation, and you know, movies and books and art and whatever. And she explains, we've talked about like her backstory in terms of, you know, where she was born and what her dad's deal is. And uh, Paul's like, oh yeah, I mean, and sort of explains about how he comes into this huge, I think she does, doesn't he say it's a Catholic family? Or does he not say that?
0: I assume, with a name like Munsky, I assume they're like Polish Catholic. Yeah, yeah. He has a huge, huge family. family. He's the youngest of four boys. Yeah. Enormous.
1: Right. So, and, and sort of explains that Like he wants to make some, they've been making like Nana's sausage recipe for the last umpty ump years. And he wants to tweak it, but his mom, you know, would freak out if he told her that, which does pay off at the end. I have to admit. It's
0: great. I mean, and this was like, one of the things I liked about their relationship is that like, you know he gets her to she's very understandably so like very direct and kind of severe at times and he's much more of a puppy dog like (laughs) and so he's like so like why why squahamish and you know like why you know why stick around here you and your dad seem kind of unhappy and she kind of is like we're done here like you're not taking this seriously and he kind of pulls her back and is like no like you know, this is a bonding moment. Like, let me tell yeah. you my story. We're, you know, like, you know, I'm we're be also becoming bros. Like that's like what's happening here. And and she's sort right. of unfamiliar with that.
1: And he, you know, he he goes over to her house a bunch. She kinda makes friends with her dad. That he I has, loved. I, I did thought too. That was so sweet. He's like starting to like poke around in their cupboards to see what kind of spices they have. Cause he's just like culinarily curious. And he wants to, he has this idea for taco sausage that he's very into love taco
0: sausage.
1: Shouldn't it be sausage taco? Why is it taco sausage? It doesn't matter. And we learn that, you know, her mom died when she was 13, but we don't really learn anything else about her mother, except no. that she was, she was young and funny and she thought every movie had, like, a best part. Oh, I guess that comes later, but whatever. She yeah. was young and funny, and now she's dead. We don't learn a whole ton about Ellie's mom.
0: No. And, and, you know, the only other thing I thought of was that maybe she got her musical abilities from her mom because she a picture of her mom. In, in her, her guitar, guitar case.
1: case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Ellie and Aster are, you know, uh, ghost, ghost booking each other. <laughs> And but of course Astor thinks that the person on the other end is Paul, but they're they're, you know, face ghosting each other like late at night, face you ghost,
0: know. Coast to coast.
1: <laughs> These very flirty messages.
0: Very flirty, like, like very flirty. It's a time of night for secrets. Yeah. What kind of secrets? Dot dot dot. I'm like, listen, okay? <laughs> like holy moly. Oh you fault. So
1: At some point, Ellie asks Paul, like, what do you like about Aster? And he's like, oh, no, she's pretty and she smells good. And Ellie just launches off on this whole, like, poetic... Like, I I have to be honest, like, I'm not a big fan of these sorts of recitations. I actually just read a book today where I was like, I kind of like the plot of this book, but the author is, like, way too into, like, her eyes were a thousand oceans of diamonds and his his hair was a... cascade of rippling moon gems like I don't like I just like uh, the mm. <laughs> I I appreciate metaphor to a certain degree and then I have had my fill I think a little metaphor goes a long way
0: yeah can I say something though about because I think it's important for us to talk about uh, what she says and like her kind of you know I thought it was very obvious at that point it should have been very obvious to Paul but but he's after, a ding dong yeah he's a ding dong but, you know, I was waiting for Paul's reasons to sound dumb to me, but one of the things he says is that, you know, she says he's she's pretty, she's smart, she's never mean.
1: Yes. And I
0: was like, oh, th- you're Jason Mendoza. <laughs> like, you are- He's not that dumb. But... No, but you are, you know, when when Jason talks about Janet, he's- You know, like, her whole thing was, like, you were nice to me when no one else was nice to me, right, when I was rebooted. And, like, when when, uh, Tahani and Jason get to hooking up, you know, he says, like, you're a really, really cool person. You're the coolest person I know. Be nicer to yourself. Like, Mm. this idea that he's drawn to her because she you know she could be she's a very popular girl in school she could be really catty and she's never mean and that means something to him and i actually was like okay i get i can get behind that i can get behind somebody saying kindness goes a long way in addition to the fact that you're pretty sure i
1: mean i think they were never going to be a match because no No. he just doesn't have the intellectual chops to keep up with her but he doesn't. It's not like oh, she's so sexy and like oh, right. I can't. I'm in love with your body. Well, like that, it's not.
0: That's what I was waiting for. I was waiting for like you know she's just super pretty and like uh, you know I want to get with that. And instead, it's like oh, you know he's a lovable ding dong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Ellie and Paul are bonding more. They watch a movie. Did you know what this movie was? Where the man was running after the woman on the train? No, it. Looked I didn't like an recognize movie. it. Okay. And, you know, Ellie's just like, "Ugh, nobody can outrun a train." She so he's stupid. So she's probably happy to get away from him. And Paul's just like, "She looks sad." Like <laughs> just sort of like the very basic like, you know, I think we're meant to be sad right now. I don't yeah. <laughs> think we're meant to think that you know, she's happy to get away. Right. Uh, you mentioned the guitar that she has that she and she's she she plays the guitar in it seems like alone in her room so she she's the accompanist at church she plays yeah. the piano at church that's how Ashley she,
0: knows
1: her right she ellie herself is an atheist but she i i would assume she gets paid to play at the mm-hmm. church otherwise why would she do it so uh so we see her so she plays the piano a lot in public but it seems like the guitar is more of a private thing uh so the next date paul is messing it up again in person but then Ellie like starts texting her- Aster from out in the car. It's very like um, the movie Roxanne, <laughs> yeah. where Steve Martin is out in the car like listening to the date on a CB radio or whatever. It's, it's it's just like the 2020 version of that, where Ellie is like listening. I think Paul has his phone on speaker. They've got like a they've got like a call going. He got his phone on speaker, yeah. So she can hear everything that's happening, and she knows that he's like bombing this. So he's, she starts texting Aster, pretending to be Paul again. And then, and then you know, then it's like flirty chatting where, she, you know, Ellie's just like, oh, I just get nervous being around you and whatever. Like trying to cover for the fact that Paul is such a ding dong. And then Paul, you know, Paul feels really left out, which understandable because he has no idea what's happening. <laughs> she should have set it up. Well, whatever. So he sort of says like out like this goes on for like a few minutes and then he just sort of is like, I don't want to just be friends, Aster. And Aster's like, wait, what? Like, because they're in the middle of texting, but then he says it out loud. And all the stuff that Ellie had said about Aster, like about how her hair smells like a thousand diamonds of the ocean or whatever. And like, <laughs> Paul just starts regurgitating all that stuff up, like all messed up. Or like, your eyes smell like five ocean diamonds or whatever. Yeah.
0: You have you have a million voices, coming in the ocean (laughs) or like, (laughs) yeah.
1: So Ellie kind of leaves him to it and she finds out the next day that they kissed. And Ellie is like, how did you know to do that? And Paul is kind of like, Oh, I don't know. Like she just kind of gets a look on her face and tries to imitate the look and does a terrible job, which is pretty funny. (laughs) Can I
0: say I loved this scene for a very particular line because he's, he's in, like, a, they're in a thrift store together because she's picking out a senior recital outfit and or a, a mandatory uh, <laughs> recital outfit. And he's like, you know, guess who didn't blow it on their date? Number 86, Paul Munsky. And then he's like, and... it's so funny.
1: 86 is the number in food service where you used to cancel something. I, I wondered if that was um, oh, intentional.
0: Maybe, maybe. And then he goes, and his. Side girl's gonna rock it at the senior recital. And I, I had a moment where I was like, this is true, like, bro. Like, he's so excited for her in this very, like, pure, non-sexual way. And I love the fact that he he calls her his side girl. I thought that was very cute.
1: It was really cute. And he helps her pick out clothes. He's like, oh, I've got sisters. Like, that doesn't look good for you. Like, I'll pick something out better. And he does. Yeah. So- <laughs> So at the senior recital, a bunch of the jackass, uh, popular rich boys um, cut a string on the piano. So every time she tries to play a particular note, it goes badly. So like right before her is like the super popular boy yeah. who is Aster's boyfriend.
0: His name is Trigg. And I have to wonder if it's a that's... Sarah
1: Palin reference. Yes.
0: yes. yes.
1: It's yes. totally a Sarah yes. Palin reference. Yes. yes. Okay.
0: Great. <laughs>
1: So she's like, tries to play her song, but she can't get past this broken string, which I don't blame her. So then Paul steals a guitar from another kid. Go, Paul. Yeah. And it gives it to her. And he's like, play your song because he's heard her from a, because he lives so close to her. He's heard her practicing the guitar, you know, by herself in her room. Yeah. So she plays, it's a very short song, but she plays this song on her guitar and then people actually clap. And then Astor's dumbass boyfriend is like, when did Ellie Chu get kind of hot? Like, shut up Trig. This guy is Sooks. He is not a fun <laughs> person. I will never not <laughs> laugh when you say <laughs> it's
0: from It's from the show Happy Endings. I stole it from them, which is one of my favorite sitcoms that was canceled after, like, three seasons. But one of of the characters is, like, very um, inventive (laughs) in the way that she uses the English language. And so she says souks a lot instead of sucks. So... Ellie gets
1: surprise invited to, like, the after party, which it seems like she's never been to a party before. She's like, oh, okay. Yeah. They play a uh, Settlers of Catan drinking game, which is pretty funny. She gets drunk and, like, vomits or whatever. So Paul, Paul like, can tell that she's at her limit, and he takes her back to his house and puts her to bed. I'd, he must have slept on the couch or something. Yeah. And, but, but But as he's putting her to bed... He finds, so he, so like a back to back up a little bit, he's really been trying to get like this taco sausage thing to happen. And he's been writing to the food critic in like their, their local paper, Wenatchee or whatever, yeah. to be like, come try my taco sausage, come try it. And we had found out like a few scenes back that like a slightly farther away local food critic had sort of expressed some interest. And Paul, in the moment, and it didn't strike me as odd, but in the moment, Paul was like, oh, like the Wenatchee critic must have like talked to his colleagues or whatever. Not that Paul would ever use the word colleagues; it's too it's too erudite. But he <laughs> yeah. actually finds when he's putting her to bed that she has written she has all these like stamped envelopes written to all the food critics, basically of the entire state of Washington. That
0: warmed my heart. I so know it was so sweet because th- they've kind of had this taco sausage runner through the whole yes. movie, where like the taco sausage is kind of like an emblem of like paul's true spirit right like kind of what he wants to give to the world and i mean i'm being really melodramatic about it but like but he says like you should really try my taco sausage and he's like she's like i will never try that that sounds i don't want to do that and then then she finds out that his own family won't try it
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: then he there's a really quick scene where he makes taco sausage for ellie and her dad and kind of presents it with this like big goofy grin on his face and she tries it and she doesn't hate it and there's also and And the dad is kind
1: of like yeah i'm into this yeah
0: (laughs) and um and also when ellie is telling paul about her mom you know she he's like well she sounds cool i bet she would try the taco sausage
1: like you know like (laughs) he's always on his taco sausage grind so
0: so to see that ellie is like doing this kind of separately from this whole aster thing just for him is like very very sweet
1: yes so ellie wakes up in paul's bed having very little memory of how she got there and then she hears Paul's mom being like, oh, Aster, it's nice to see you. Well, I'll just show you down to where Paul... And and Ellie's like, oh, God. <laughs> so she's, like, throwing her all thing all of her things in a bag and, like, putting on her coat. And I was thinking, like, she was going to hide, but no, she's trying to make it look like she just showed up herself.
0: Yeah.
1: And Aster's like, hey. And Ellie's like, hey, I just dropped off some books. Like, he's so super into you that he wanted to do extra reading to impress you. And that seems to, like, put some a glow into Aster's heart. And uh, Ellie is just like, yep, yeah, he's just super into you anyway. So it's, it's cool how super into you he is. Cause this isn't weird. I'm just in his bedroom by myself, but he's super into you. Yeah. <laughs> and Aster's actually dropping off a painting she made and Ellie kind of can't help herself. Like she can't just play dumb. Like she takes the painting and she's actually critiquing it. And she's like, Oh, I like this like lonely stroke in the corner.
0: Very bold. Like, girl, you're not being very discreet here. Yeah, exactly. So Aster's
1: like, hey, let me uh, come with you home, like, to the train station. Because Ellie has to go and, like, do the signal thing in the train station or whatever.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then Aster, like, I think helps her do it, right? Doesn't she, like, hold the lantern or something?
0: Yeah, she, like, wants to try it out. And she's like, this is so cool. And Ellie's like,
1: yeah. uh, Twice a day for my whole life. Like, it's not that cool. So then, Aster's like, "Hey, come with me to my favorite secret spot," and it's like a hot spring okay. where she like. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brianna. Why don't you take it from here since you had a lot of issues with no, this?
0: I, you can. I I had a very strong reaction just now. You can talk about it. We can we can. No, it's fine. Discussion. Go ahead. There's not much to say about the. What was this? What was it about? I I
1: don't. I don't fully know.
0: I think my reaction to it is that I was just very confused by Aster as a That's very fair. And so this felt... Like, is
1: she supposed to be bisexual, but she's repressing it? Is or- Is she supposed to be
0: gay, and she's repressing it?
1: Oh, interesting.
0: I, I And I thought for sure that this- would be the time when Aster says, "Okay, here's what I thought." She shows Ellie the painting, and the and Ellie basically uses like the same exact words that Paul Paul in quotes used right. when they were talking about painting. And I thought that Aster was like had put it together and was going to kind of get Ellie alone and be like, "You're the one." writing me, aren't you? And then, like, kiss
1: her or something. Mm. That would have been interesting. I mean, especially because, like, some of the, like, going on a physical date but then texting while you're at the date, like, that's that's behavior that should raise your eyebrow.
0: Right, and he wasn't looking at his phone a lot of the time. <laughs> that, right. like... And, and, like, you know, not to jump ahead, but at the end, she kind of says, like, I think deep down, like, I, I knew the truth all along or whatever. Right. And so I I wanted, I think I wanted this Hot Springs thing to be, it was very charged. Sure. Which is, which is I think, a good thing, but left me very confused. But maybe it's supposed to leave me confused because maybe Aster's confused. But it was... I really felt for Ellie because I was like, "That is torture for you." Right. That is just torture, anyway. But it it does seem like a very suggestive thing to be like, "Come with me to my secret spot, and we're gonna skinny dip, and I'm gonna tickle you until you take your clothes off." But no- yeah, that's what happens. Nothing to see here, like sexually. <laughs> right. It was very weird.
1: And she says, like, this is the longest I've ever hung out with another girl and we've not talked about boys. And Ellie's like, uh, we can talk about boys if you want. And Astra's like,
0: like, eh. then, But then she does. And she, yes. she makes it and she sort of launches into this thing about, like, Paul is so confusing and I guess I'll marry Trig, but, like, I don't know, do you think I should? Trig
1: Palin. Trig Palin.
0: <laughs> like, do you think I should? And Ellie's like, no, is that what you want? And I think yeah i think aster is just a, sort of a confusing character like i wonder kind of what got left on the cutting room floor with this scene and a lot of her scenes
1: she sort of is this like perfect object of desire for both paul and ellie which is a weird place to try to write a character yeah and i'm not saying bisexual people don't exist they super exist they super listen to this podcast i <laughs> I'm a hundred percent sure of that <laughs> i I just think that you know her being like all things to like two very different people very different people yes yeah is really strange like that she has sort of been written as this like perfect this perfect love interest for you know in a sense for these two characters who in some sense couldn't be more different, yeah. That, and that she doesn't you know it's it's unclear how much she exists beyond being that object of affection
0: right you don't, also, you don't get a
1: strong sense of like her you know her innermost being uh, apart from romantic entanglements
0: right because she's also very much the love interest for this super duper popular guy right, so right 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 you have kind of this triangle and she's in the middle of it or you know
1: pyramid i guess
0: um uh, uh, <laughs> parallelogram and she's <laughs> you know I think you're right and I also think that it's not that we see that she and Paul I mean she and Paul I think are intellectually incompatible but she doesn't blow him off she she pursues him at the same time that she's dating this other guy
1: and she talks about feeling safe while she's like physically with him
0: right you know that's a big, a big thing deal. especially
1: for young girls
0: right and so yeah I mean I think this but then, of course, she's... The the way that she talks, you know, she's like, Paul's confusing because when I'm with him physically, I feel very safe, but then he writes these things to me that feel very not safe. And I thought that was her sort of coded, like, you know, I have these desires that I don't know what to do with, and, mm. you know, that sort of thing. But, yeah, it was just very confusing, and, and I don't know. It, it sounds like a story... It does sort of sound like a story that maybe, like, in a, in like 10 more years when you're very comfortable in your own skin and your own sexuality, you're like this one time, (laughs) like, I, I don't know. I brought this girl to a hot spring and I tickled her. And like, now I don't, you know, I don't know. I think
1: a lot of queer women, and I'm talking a little bit, you know, out of my realm of experience here, obviously, like I have a lot of queer female friends, but I'm straight myself. I think a lot of queer women come to an understanding of their sexuality a little bit later, Yeah. And it often is kind of looking back and being like, oh, I thought that I was just obsessed with that girl because I wanted to be like her, you know, but in actuality, you know, I had uh, romantic feelings for her, but like, I didn't understand them as such in the moment.
0: Yeah. Listen, I gotta say like, I'm straight too, but if a girl who looked like that took me to a hot spring, I would be like, (laughs) maybe I'm not. I don't know. (laughs) Let's put me down as
1: heteroflexible. We have that on the survey.
0: Yes. (laughs) Where is that on the rainbow? You, know, you just have a little sliver for me.
1: That's the in, that's the indigo, I think. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, and the but the music here was also very good.
1: Yeah, Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Now it's in my head. Thank you. So, and and, and Astor, Astor finds out that. Ellie is an atheist and but then and so when she finds Paul later sort of the first thing she asks him is like do you believe in God he's like oh, of course I do she's like oh yeah of course of course but like obviously thinking about Ellie
0: yeah also um Paul and Ellie's dad are cooking together while Ellie is at the hot spring
1: yeah they're bros it's yeah, nice it's very cute. so Ellie comes to a football game it seems like this is the first time she's at a football game and he actually scores a point which a is a, well sure thank you <laughs> i mean you there's other ways to score points in football but yes he does he, he experienced
0: six points but he so
1: completes okay. a touchdown thank you i know that okay <sighs> but he completes a touchdown and it's the first time that that high school has scored in football in the last 15 years which seems crazy to me <laughs>
0: Uh, it sounds crazy, except when you remember that, like, I was in marching band, you know, all four years, as were you, and our high school football team did not win a single game while I was on.
1: <gasps> Is that true? <laughs> At least... But they scored points sometimes! Yeah.
0: Or oh, maybe it was my freshman year we didn't win a single game. I would believe that we didn't. I don't, know if, I don't didn't. know if it was all four years, but it was definitely my freshman year we didn't win a single
1: game. Somebody gorgle that. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, he's, like, running off this high of being, like, now he's, like, the school sort of, like, hero for scoring a point. After the game, Ellie is at the vending machine. Don't worry about it. And <laughs> she's, like, got her arms full of vending machine stuff. And then Paul comes over. And Ellie is just sort of like, yeah, good job, man. Like, I got all this stuff from there. And then he tries to kiss her as Aster walks in. And Ellie's like, what the F, y'all? Like, he's she's, like, dropping all herself, being like, I do not want to be... Ki- what... And this then I as- have a
0: problem with but we can talk about it in discussion I- so
1: as aster walks in ellie immediately like sees her and is like aster this isn't what it looks like like this is not like there's nothing between us and don't and and paul sort of like puts the pieces together
0: finally that <laughs> yeah he, he's a ding dong you <laughs> know that he couldn't figure that out
1: earlier but what else? that ellie and then aster runs away but paul is like oh my god i'm such an idiot like you and ellie's like uh and paul's like it's a sin and then he kind of runs away it's
0: bad that one hurt yes that one really, that one really hurt that he could be home not he's not xenophobic he's just lightly homophobic that's not yeah. light though to tell someone they're going to hell so everybody's like true Aster is
1: sad and Ellie is sad sad
0: old montage of like sad montage Ellie's dad is sad because he
1: doesn't have taco sausages anymore pretty sad at some point Paul starts to soften up and googles something about being gay how do
0: you know if if you're gay Right,
1: and then he like doesn't sufficiently cover his tracks so his mom sees that he is looking at a page called how do you know if you're gay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which comes up. In, I only mentioned it because yeah. it just pays off so amazingly at yeah, the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Paul goes and sees Ellie's dad to he's, do. He's
0: working. He's making a delivery of okay. meat.
1: And Ellie's dad is like, Did you and Ellie break up? And Paul's like, Oh, we were never together. And, and Ellie's dad gives a speech in Mandarin, which I like, it was beautiful. The speech was beautiful, but I was like, I don't know what Paul is supposed to be absorbing of
0: this. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, so he says Ellie seems really sad, and Paul, you kind of get the sense, has done his own soul-searching, and it's like, you don't really see what's going on with Ellie. Like, you don't really see her. And then, yeah, her dad gives this really beautiful speech, and then in broken English, you know, the speech is about how... When her mom died, that she had to
1: take over all so much responsibility.
0: And then at the end, in broken English, he says have you ever loved someone so much you don't want them to change? Mm-hmm. And it's very
1: poignant. Not a good um, not a good position to be in as a parent. I'll tell you that, right? Yeah,
0: now.
1: for sure. Kids are nothing but change. That's pretty much the only constant.
0: Yeah.
1: So now we're at Easter Sunday services. At...
0: all buckle up.
1: <laughs> this is by far the most buck wild scene in this movie. <laughs> so Trig Palin and... At... <laughs> canonically it's canonically Trig palin Trig palin is giving the uh he's supposed to be giving like the benediction or whatever and astor
0: corinthians
1: it's supposed to be first corinthians yeah. and uh astor's in the obviously in the audience because her father's a deacon or whatever and paul is there because his family is religious which is why he sort of said the things about love being a, Ellie being a sinner Mm -hmm. and Ellie's up accompanying up in the balcony. So we've got all of our major players in one place. (laughs) And Trig starts off like, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is awesome. Aster, will you marry me? Right. Mm -hmm. And Aster's like, yeah, I guess. Which (laughs) like, um, I'm gonna. I. I don't think even in rural backwater, whatever. I don't think people are getting engaged. I could be wrong. I don't think people are getting engaged for senior year. Certainly, uh, my my reference here would be Twilight, which also occurs in rural Washington state. And when Bella got married, uh, just out of high school, it was kind of a scandal.
0: You know too much about Twilight. Hi. <laughs> <Hey. laughs>
1: But so Aster's like, yeah, I guess I'll marry you. And then Ellie jumps up and is like, no. It's and then it's a the
0: graduate.
1: It's ve- it's I don't know what the this scene is very strange. I agree. She she starts off like love isn't, and then Paul jumps in and how love isn't pretending, and and wouldn't it be terrible if you had to pretend to be someone else your whole life? And I don't want to be the guy who stops loving someone for loving the way they want to love. Great, That's sweet of him. Yeah. <laughs> I guess this is his gay acceptance moment. Yeah. But then Ellie is like, love isn't patient and kind. It's messy and selfish and bold and trying and horrible. Yeah. And Aster, is this marriage? Is this really the boldest stroke you can make? And then Aster, like, finally the nickel drops. Good job.
0: Once again, where has everybody been?
1: (laughs) (laughs) She walks up to Paul, slaps him and then walks out of the church, which is amazing. And then this is the payoff for a few of the things we've been setting up. It's yeah. amazing. So Paul's so the church is in an uproar.
0: Yeah. Everyone's yelling at him.
1: Everyone's standing up yelling. Paul's mom turns to him and says, If you're gay, mommy still loves you. And Paul goes, I'm not gay, mom. And she goes, Thank God. And he goes, I want to change our sausage recipe though. Are you insane? And she starts like hitting him with her pocketbook. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> that's
0: the sin worse than being gay. Yes. <laughs> Trying to change Nana's recipe. recipe. And then the philosophy teacher is there. She might as well have like a Mai Tai in her hand. <laughs> yeah, she's like, that's some divine intervention. And I'm like, who what? are you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: when Ellie gets home, her dad is making a ton of food. And she's like, why are you making so much food? And he says, you know, this is for your trip to Grinnell. Uh, and he says, we didn't come here so you could be like me. We came here so you could be like your mom. Uh we don't know what her mom did that no. she she Ellie does say like you don't mean dead though and her dad's like yeah hopefully not no <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah we have no idea like what the mom was like was the mom like a what what yeah i mean <laughs> was the mom really well integrated into american society or something no
0: i mean i think it's just you know i want you to be able to reach Farther than Squamish, right? Like I don't want to. Crush yeah, but her we
1: face. don't have any evidence that her mom did that,
0: right? No, that's so I mean, it's she confusing. We didn't get a chance to.
1: Yeah. So we're now at the point where Ellie is getting ready to leave for Grinnell, Grinnell, Grinnell <laughs> College. How much money did you pay? <laughs> did it seem like a good idea at the time? Right before coronavirus
0: destroyed <laughs> higher education. Grinnell, if you're a questioning queer student, come to. <laughs> Rural Iowa,
1: <laughs> I'm sure. Grinnell is perfectly liberal. So we're getting ready for Ellie to go uh, off to Grinnell. Grinnell, <laughs> she she bikes over to see Aster, and she's like, "How how have you been?" And Aster's like, "I've been busy making pieces for her art school portfolio." And you're laughing at her because you had an art school portfolio,
0: girl. Yes, I did, and it <laughs> was not just four pieces I whipped up over the summer. <laughs> I mean she had taken painting classes in the past so maybe
1: she could yeah. use those
0: that's true but she was like I'm, I'm working on four new pieces for my portfolio for art school and i'm like okay okay <laughs> simmer
1: down <laughs> so ellie's like i'm sorry i didn't mean to hurt you and aster says oh i kind of knew deep down and then you have this in quotes <laughs> i will read it verbatim i don't know
0: about this guy i don't
1: know either for what it's worth it's not like the thought never crossed my mind if things were different or i was different
0: what does that mean i don't it's like (laughs) what does that mean
1: it's almost it's almost coming out as bi i would say it's it's kind of it's like halfway there right Because it's, like, if things were different or I was different, which I take to mean, like, okay, if things were different, meaning that they weren't... She wasn't the daughter of, like, this super churchy father. Yes. They weren't out in rural. So if they were, like, living in San Francisco, that would be things were different, maybe. Or I was different, maybe she was... Maybe meaning she was more willing to rock the boat. Or you could read it as I was different, like, I... Like, if I weren't straight. Exactly. That's
0: how... I mean, that, to me, was... I, that's how I read it was like if things like it's not like I it never crossed my mind but I
1: which is why I took you to a hot springs and took my clothes off
0: which I will never understand if this is the if the if the reading of this is you know if I were different meaning like if I weren't straight but I think this is just an, they, they made I think you're correct about Aster as a character that You know, we never, although we never see her, like, we never see her and Paul, the dissolution of that relationship. It it kind of is understood, I guess, that...
1: When she slaps him in the middle of a church, it's over. Yeah,
0: that is true. But we never see them have a conversation afterwards. Like, hey, I'm, you know, we never see Paul say to her, like, I'm really sorry, I just, you know, I
1: really cared about you and I wanted to get closer to you. And I thought this was a good way to do that. And
0: yeah. yeah and I'm not like, it's very clear that like, we're not a match. And also like, I really care about Ellie. So I'm going to like step away from this. Right. Like,
1: although he has, I mean, he kissed Ellie. So it's not clear that he does have this sort of undying flame for Aster. I don't know.
0: <laughs> that kiss. I had a real problem with.
1: Hmm. Okay. Um I kind of saw it coming a mile away.
0: I did, I mean, I don't have a problem with the fact that they kissed, but I think the setup of it was a little, um, but there's another confusing kiss in this scene too. I kind of like this.
1: Aster's, so after she says this stuff about things being different, which we have no idea what she means, you know, she says in a couple years, I'll be more sure, sure of myself. And then Ellie, there's like a beat and then Ellie just grabs her and kisses her. Just kind of like, okay, girl, like, <laughs> like you got to. Got to try, you know. Yeah, you got to try. I guess means,
0: unless she, like, this is what I mean is that she's so confusing as a character. Aster is that, like, maybe you just kissed a straight girl, but maybe it doesn't matter. Who knows?
1: Yeah, because Ellie just says, "See you in a couple of years." Because yeah. I, th- I think maybe what we're supposed to read is like in a couple of years, maybe she'll have come to terms with her own bisexuality. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although, like, it's all very sort of like, oh, it's open to interpretation, like, whatever you think or whatever. And it's like, I I would, I think I would have preferred it if she were clearly bisexual. Although maybe, you know, there's probably a queer reading of this movie that is like, she is clearly bisexual. Like, the Hot Springs thing is not meant to be, you know, ambiguous. Mm. I don't know. So Ellie and Paul say goodbye at the train station. And... Uh, he runs after her, you know, just like in the movie, and she kind of cries and laughs. And that is the end of the movie. So, yeah, nobody gets what they want, just like she warned in the voiceover at the beginning. Although Ellie gets what she wants in terms of, like, leaving this town. Somehow going from Washington State to Iowa on a train, a a journey that I think would take conservatively 18 days.
0: (laughs) She's on the Oregon Trail. (laughs)
1: Yeah, basically in reverse.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nobody gets what they want, but she got a friendship out of it.
1: Yeah, and she got somebody. I mean, like, one of the nice things about Paul is that he, like, has actually bonded with Ellie's dad. And he says to her as she's leaving, like, I'll look after him. Yeah. You know, because he's all alone now. But he's going to stop in and make sure that he's, like, you know, (laughs) taking care of himself, taking care of the train station. Like, he's not just going to be, like, completely unmoored from all human contact yeah
0: and also at the end we see like her dad is back in the booth using the automatic signals so it's kind of like oh okay now i see like i have to step up for you so that you don't have to like worry about handling everything yourself like who's gonna handle this when i'm gone kind of thing but yeah like you know paul and and paul also does say that like because of the write-ups they've been getting locally, like the shop's a lot busier, and he's trying out a bunch of new recipes, and you know, like he has, he still has these dreams of like having his own place one day. So like he's staying in Squamish, but the hopefully like he will have a he won't have as small a footprint as like the rest of his family has had. Mm. Um, so that's sort of the hope there. Aster's going to go to art school uh let me tell you something if you are confused bisexual uh art school is the place for you (laughs) art school is the place for you yeah big
1: shout out to all of our bisexual listeners yes big shout out it was bisexual bisexual visibility a day i think was relatively recent or something like that. oh no there was a oh god there was a recent study about how bisexual men are actually real. Oh,
0: I saw that. I thought that I thought that was a satire. Because nope. I was like, really? This is news?
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Okay.
1: There are more bisexual people than there are, you know, gay people. But we as a culture are like... So that's actually... <sighs> that's actually an argument for making Aster more clearly bisexual. I would say. That like bisexuality like barely exists in media, which is crazy that it's crazy that gay and lesbian characters are gay and lesbian characters are so much more uh, better represented than bisexual characters, given that there are so many more bisexual people in real life. Like, and you know, props to Eleanor Shellstrop Yes, are bisexual of, of the good place. But like, it would have been nice if this movie had, like, put in some explicitly bisexual representation of Aster kind of being just a little more overt about, like, you know, I could feel this way, you know, I do really like boys, but also I like you, and but I just can't. I mean, it, someone would have to write dialogue that didn't suck, <laughs> because I'm not a screenwriter. Right. But, like, it would be nice for Aster to be, like, 20% more clearly bisexual.
0: Yeah. And also, I think You know, I sort of thought, you know, going back to the hot springs, like, I think maybe you're correct in that, like, maybe that is supposed to be the, like, oh, she really is bisexual and this is sort of the, the toe, the, she's dipping her toe in the water literally in of here. But I also thought that, like, I was like, oh, maybe she is queer in some way and we are going to get a scene where she and her dad have, like, an open confrontation about it. Mm. Um, the way that, you know, like, she seems to have no problem, like, lying to her parents about where she is.
1: They're super strict, so that's not uncommon for kids who are raised by super strict parents. And
0: I thought about, like, the daughter from Footloose, right? Like, you and I have (laughs) talked about the fact that, like, we kind of side with John Lithgow. But anyway, the, you know, the daughter from Footloose has this really moving confrontation with her father in church where she basically says, like, um, Dancing is great! Yeah, you know, or, like, you, you you are trying to work through your grief by controlling me and controlling everyone in this town, and that's not how this works. And then Diane Weist, the the Empress Diane Weist, comes in and is like, you're going to lose your daughter if you don't, like, loosen up a little bit. And I sort of was like, oh, if she's the... Because this movie does sort of dip into a lot of different archetypes. It's Cyrano de Bergerac. It's also, you know, Variety had a, you know, I don't have to read the whole thing, but it's sort of like, it's of the clueless tradition because it's got these classic romance tropes and it puts them in a high school. There's John Hughes a little bit. There's sort of this, like, because there's a pecking order in the school, this, that, and the other. So, like, you know... I, I thought of Say Anything because of this, like, lunkhead guy going after this, like, really high performing, really pretty girl. And, but I also thought of, because her father, uh, is this religious figure in the community, I thought of Footloose. And I was like, wouldn't that be interesting if, if she, if he does a sermon about homosexuality and she kind of confronts him about it?
1: I mean, nobody in this movie comes out. You're right. That- the, the, You're right. this is not a this is not a coming out movie this is a movie of sort of sublimated queer romance uh in a way that look i'm sure that it's it's strange it's maybe strange for you and me a little bit to see this because like when i was in high school in the 90s we had like a gay straight alliance and it was fine to be in the gay-straight alliance, right? And I'm not saying that gay kids weren't getting picked on because there was definitely one uh, gay guy that I knew in high school who definitely got picked on because he was, like, more, like, on the Jonathan from Queer Eye (laughs) side of the spectrum and it was an issue. But, like, I mean, I think for you and me, we kind of see something like this and we're sort of like, are we still doing this? (laughs) Like, are we still... It would be one thing if Ellie's problem was that... She felt she couldn't come out to her father, who, you know, is an immigrant. And certainly, you know, queer kids from immigrant families face a completely different set of challenges. And I assume that Astor's family possibly are also immigrants because they speak Spanish at home. It's hard to know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So they sort of have this uniquely awkward position that they're in, but there's never any sense that there are any out gay people in this town that like anybody could even think it was a possibility for anybody to be gay. (laughs) Like It doesn't seem to cross anybody's mind at all ever.
0: Yeah. And I I mean, mean the
1: teacher finds a letter that she has written to Aster and it doesn't lead to the teacher being like, Hey, you know,
0: (laughs) do you have anything you want to talk about?
1: Right. Like, Look, she's a philosophy teacher who went to Grinnell. Dang it, Grinnell! <laughs> like, I feel like somebody at some point should have said to this poor girl, like, "Hey, like, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay if you're queer. It's all right. It's 2020." Like, yeah, we we are hopefully getting passes as a culture. Am I being completely naive? It's com- it's totally possible I'm being completely naive here. Um.
0: I mean maybe it's a situation where this may be more true to certain high school experiences in terms of like where where you are at in your own development of accepting your own sexuality, right? Like, you know, maybe maybe this sort of quiet version of coming out where you have like one friend that you that kind of knows but you never explicitly say it. Like maybe that is how people kind of, you know, dip their toes into that water a little bit.
1: I mean, maybe they could, if they wanted to do that for Aster, then maybe they needed to have a scene where she's talking to one of her vapid girlfriends and right. they talk about, you know, how they used to practice kissing at sleepovers or whatever. And you can kind of get, if you know, the girls playing Aster seems to be a good actress. Yeah. Let me get a sense from her that like that meant more to her than it meant to her friends.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, the other thing about, about Paul and about Ellie is that aside from each other, they don't really have, you know, I guess the letters are supposed to be Ellie's outlet, but like Paul doesn't have another person that he talks to. Right. And so you don't get, you get like a slice, a tiny slice of his home life. He kind of becomes bros with Ellie's dad, but you know, the, 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 I keep saying I have problems with that kiss that he gives her. In yeah, do you in want to expound room. on that a little bit? Yeah, so it's not that I have necessarily a problem that he tried to kiss her, but I thought it came kind of out of nowhere because it didn't it wasn't precipitated by something that I thought made sense and the thing that I thought would have made more sense I didn't think Aster really needed to be there, but I kind of understand narratively that, like, you needed a shorthand for, like, what's going on here and, like, how, you know, figuring that out. But so to your point that no one's out in this movie, you know, I it's I talk a lot on this podcast about how like I have a lot of really close guy friends and. Um, one of my dearest friends to this day is, um, a guy that I've known since we were 12. And so like, we were friends at this age. I had other guy friends at this age. And, um, I think there could have or should have been a scene in this movie where, uh, somebody questions their friendship a little bit, because I will tell you as somebody who's had guy friends her whole life, everyone does that. Every single person that you meet will assume that you are living in a rom-com where your friendship is going to blossom into a romance. There's no understanding that men and women, boys and girls, can be friends outside of a sexual relationship. Or there's very little... At least at that age, your whole barometer is about, like, who do I want to kiss and who wants to kiss me and who's kissing everybody else for, like, most students. And so... I would have... I think that that kiss probably should have been precipitated by at least one, if not more, conversations where his football buddies are ragging on him because he hasn't gotten with Ellie yet, or, you know, dude, she's hanging around you, she really... Like, why do you think she's hanging around you? Like, you know, she she clearly likes you, you're being really dense, why aren't you taking this hint? Like, blah, 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 blah. You know... Ellie doesn't seem to really have any friends, so I don't think she would have people who would question that for her, but, like, there also could have been a scene with her and, like, one of the popular girls whose, you know, whose boyfriend is on the football team saying, like, what are you doing with Paul Munsky? Because, like, that's what happens. Like, from my own middle school and high school experience, if, if you are seen with a boy platonically in the hallway, you have you are secretly in love with that person. Like, Ah. and so I think that element of it was missing. And like, we understand as an audience that their relationship isn't like that because we understand, we are to understand from moment one that Ellie is not interested in Paul romantically, but she's not out to anybody. And this is a really small town and she kind of sticks out like a sore thumb because as we've talked about, she's, one of the only girls of color in the whole school. So I think that that kind of element was missing. And I would have believed if he had finally been like, maybe there is something to this. Like, maybe I've been blind the whole time. Maybe she really mm. does want to kiss me. And, you know, maybe she she's like, maybe there's an element, there's something I'm missing here. And he goes to kiss her. And then she's like, no, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, right, that, okay. Like, we're-, we're-
1: We get the moment of- him looking up at her window while she's playing guitar. Yeah. Where he's obviously, because the first time that we see him taking in Aster, she is singing. Mm-hmm. So he hears Aster singing through a window and he hears Ellie singing through a window. And so it was pretty clear to me, like, oh, his affections are going to shift. Oh, God. And,
0: okay.
1: And it made sense to me, given that sort of structure or setup. Um, and I think it it kind of makes sense to me from like a character standpoint of like he gets along really great with Ellie. They yeah. have great conversations yeah, like they're sure. buddies yeah, yeah. and it, and he finds it nearly impossible to have a conversation with Aster. So like, yeah, it, sort of logically, you know, he kind of says like, oh, OK, because like he, he knows how naive she is about romance because she sort of says, like, how do you know when to kiss somebody? Right. right. So he's not like. You know, he probably thinks like, "Oh, she's just so clueless and so uh in need of somebody who's actually kissed somebody before <laughs> yeah, to
0: take maybe. the first step." Maybe. Yeah. No, like I said, I didn't mind that that was like a wrinkle. I didn't mind that he kissed her. I was just sort of like um, you know, I thought that element was missing of like Paul is sort of this clueless dude, so like maybe it's there maybe I needed another scene of someone kind of whispering in his ear right about ellie
1: did you have any other script doctor things that you wanted to do before we do the um Oh, just
0: the whole church scene man like what was (sighs) that whole thing i don't know that there's any way to fix that i would have i would have uh i think you're right i don't think anybody's getting engaged at that age um and it just seems it it was just very messy it was like a very messy scene i don't know how i would have I think I would have scrapped that and gone with something a little quieter, but you know, I don't know what else you could have done there.
1: I mean it was sort of nice to have Aster sort of publicly walk away from Trig Palin.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: I don't know how you achieve that otherwise, but yeah, it's it's messy and it feels it feels sort of rushed and hurried and convenient. Of like, oh, all the major players are sitting in the same room. Let's all. And for her to be like, no, love is messy. It's like, come on, man. (laughs) And also, like, there's no house of worship where they're going to be like, yeah, except for a Quaker one where this is how it works. Yeah. (laughs) In every other house of worship, they're just not going to let people just freelance from the audience. That's not (laughs) how it works. Like, anyone want to take a stab at this whole sermon for today? Like, no, if someone stood up. And started being like, love is about loving your lover and loving lover's love. Someone else would be like, okay, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. you and Asher would now.
0: definitely come and, and yes. escort you out. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And I also kind of in that moment wanted Astrid to... Because she says yes to trick Paling.
1: Uh, sort of. She kind of was like, yeah At the
0: beginning. And I sort of... I almost would have wanted her to be like, you know what? No. And then she could have a little bit more agency in that situation. Yeah,
1: she's just sort of batted about like a leaf in the breeze.
0: She kind of is. Like and I think maybe maybe that is my overall note for the whole movie, which is I don't think, you know, this whole movie kind of revolves around Aster, but she herself is not a very clearly written character and so I think that muddies the waters a bit for all the other character we get.
1: Hmm. Yes, I think that's a fine criticism to end on. Yeah. And also, now will...
0: why go to Iowa when Portland, which is a very, very queer-friendly city, is, like, much closer? I'm sorry, that's all I have to say.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Or, honestly, could the University of Washington in Seattle? Yeah! <laughs> An in-state school in Seattle. <laughs> there is... The u is very big in Seattle. You know, they got their Huskies. Uh, TBTL, the podcast I listened to last week, well, one of the hosts went to the UW, so I'm very familiar with it.
0: Because you're uh, friends with y-
1: them, yes. Yes, I'm quote-unquote friends with them. Yeah, you like, there's certainly plenty of queer people in Seattle. <laughs> yeah! No, Grinnell paid for the rights to this movie. Dang it. <laughs> so, uh, listener Chris wrote in to say congrats on the Hun Ding Dongeth podcast <laughs> episode. <laughs> you Ding Dongs. He, he, he wanted to point out that the book that you recommended that I actually did check out from the library. I haven't read it though. Nice. I'm going to start it next. Um, it's made a, It's been made into a TBS show.
0: What?
1: Yeah, starring Dan- Daniel Radcliffe and Steve Buscemi as God. What? Yeah. So we might have to look into that.
0: What? I don't know. <laughs> piece of service journalism
1: (laughs) you said I haven't been reading much since quarantine I feel you man it's hard to get in the mood um yeah Axiom's End by Lindsay Ellis just dropped it's got really good reviews she's a YouTube uh she's like a vlogger who does a lot of cultural criticism she's really great I like her and the book's been really uh gotten a lot of plaudits um I like this. He says, I enjoy listening to the podcast because, well, I know you and it feels like talking to friends as Marissa mentioned in the beginning, but without the stress of actually talking or worse video chatting with friends. (laughs) Being a remote worker, I spend most of my days on video calls, more so as I've risen up the ranks as an engineer, and the thought of hopping on a friendly chat, even with friends, is exhausting to me. But listening to you two without a care in the world hits just the right cadence in my head as I take long walks and drives to chill out. Uh, There used to be a podcast, you said, called Sister Time that uh, doesn't exist anymore, that this sort of is like the same vibe uh thanks for the 100 episodes thanks chris
0: chris thank you so much marissa doesn't like video chatting either so
1: i don't i get so distracted by my own image it's not even funny i'm always like oh i made this funny face oh i'll make a different funny face like it's not helping
0: so this is our like weekly uh you know we do some catch-up time before the episodes now too it's nice
1: yeah Um, and and congrats to listeners jackie and gandhi Ooh. On their first baby who was uh born at some point this week. I'm not totally sure on the details. They are I think they're just getting their heads above water from uh being in the you know, labor and delivery during a pandemic. Like I get oh. it. <laughs> but <laughs> hopefully they'll hear this at some point and they will know, you know, that all of us here at the Good Play wish them uh all the best with their new bundle of poop. <laughs> That's all they do for the first few months. I hate to break it to everybody. Oh, it's the one activity a newborn engages in. Besides screaming. Screaming and pooping. <laughs> but new bundle of screams sounds even worse.
0: <laughs> it sounds like a good place to torture. Just yes. a bundle
1: of screams. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else?
0: Um, just that the woman who directed this movie um, also... Wrote and directed a, a a lesbian romance, a Chinese immigrant lesbian romance, six, uh, sixteen years ago, called Saving Face. Oh. Mm. Uh, it takes place in New York City, and um, it's not at Grinnell. Not at Grinnell. Oh, <laughs> um, but it it looks kind of interesting. It's this like you know, it looks like a first generation daughter um sort of struggling to come out to her mom but then her mom i guess is a single mom and gets pregnant again and so they have to like kind of navigate that together you know it it looks kind of neat so i might check that out too so if anybody's interested in more uh queer immigrant stories that might be one to check out
1: she did not go to grinnell she went to stanford Okay. So I, I really think Netflix solicited money from Grinnell. That's I, my working theory.
0: Yes, I 100% <laughs> agree. Uh, okay, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know what uh, we should do now is like see if Grinnell like, pops up in any of these other teen movies we're watching. <laughs> or
1: random other small colleges. Because like,
0: now Netflix will, because they have so much of their own content, can reference netflix on netflix shows Mm. i don't know if you've noticed this but i've watched a few things where um like in the there's a a a movie i forgot exactly what it's called but there's a movie on netflix about um sort of the end of this long relationship and she's got her the main girl kind of has her girlfriends around her they go out for like a night on the town kind of thing and one of the girls at the end is like, man, I just want to curl up like with a like box of chocolates and some Netflix. And then in, um, in Never Have I Ever, the characters are watching a show on Netflix in the show. Yikes. So we've reached a kind of singularity. So I do <laughs> like maybe Grinnell is like the the college that we're going to see popping up in all these Netflix shows.
1: Oh my god. Alright. Until next time, enjoy the best part of everything. We
0: will see you next time.